You ain't driving, are you? I steer a little, but the reindeer do most of the work. <laughs> this is my fourth year at the center. How about you? I started the whole damn thing. Oh, oh, oh! It's Christmas! We decided that you could have one gift. Early. What is it? That is a direct hotline of Santa Claus himself. I can talk to Santa. All right, revelers. Welcome to your worst Christmas ever. Let's go! You have $300 million in your personal vault. That's what I want for Christmas. So violent night. <laughs> oh man, what do you think of violent night? Oh, it fucked so hard. <laughs> if I hadn't got that free ticket, I would not have gone. Really? And I, I think you were the first person to actually reply to go see it. Yeah. So I hadn't seen it yet, but a friend of mine whose reviews I trust implicitly gave it a ten out of ten, and he is famously hard to please and while it is not a five out of five or a ten out of ten for me i see what he saw in it yeah and as soon as i saw that i was like we gotta talk about this and we gotta talk about it (laughs) while it's like seasonal at least yeah so here we are i'm gonna just start by saying that this movie is better than it has any right to be (laughs) that's very true it's very very true that movie could have been, like, not even phoned in. They could have telegrammed it in. And everyone would have been like, okay, that's what it needed to be. That's what it said on the tin. That could have been a straight-to-2V exclusive. Yeah. Yeah, no, it could have been like, oh, yeah, my dog shat it out one time while I was on ayahuasca. <laughs> and that's how I saw Violent Night. And I would just be like, yeah, that tracks. Exactly. But instead, it is an incredibly subtly crafted compelling story yeah that also just happens to be like what if santa had to kill people (laughs) and i have one critique which is i think that the credit song should have been the night when santa went crazy by weird al yankovic and not using that was a huge missed opportunity and i'm upset Down in the workshop, all the elves were making toys For the good Gentile girls and the good Gentile boys 
when the boss busted in. Nearly scared him half to death. Had a rifle in his hands and cheap whiskey on his breath. From his beard to his boots, he was covered with ammo. Like a big fat drunk, disgruntled Yuletide Rambo. And he smiled as he said, with a twinkle in his eye, Merry Christmas to all, now you're all gonna die. The Maybe that would have been too cheeky. I don't know. I mean, but the credit music was cheeky, but it was a song nobody knew. Well, yeah, touche. So that's my only big complaint about it. Well, there's some other, like, just time-wise complaints. But they got a good cast who was all giving good performances. Not a great script, but a good script. Yeah. Everyone who's in it is clearly wants to be there and is excited about it. Yeah. For such a stupid movie. It was very stupid. But somehow all of that stuff together makes it so much better than it could have been. And it needed to be. The thing that I kept coming back to is like that little girl reminded me a little bit of me. Because there's a very specific only child energy of that willingness to talk to anyone. Yeah. Because you spend so much of your time alone. Or with your parents and the way that she shares with her parents and the way that she then shares with Santa. I was like, oh, yeah, that's literally exactly me. That was exactly how I was as a kid. And my parents weren't like those rich, weird people. But, you know, I <laughs> I get the vibe. There was like a really beautiful, subtle performance that David Harbour gave reacting to her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He could have just given that whole performance like a sledgehammer and everyone would have been like, nice. And initially, I thought that was what was going to happen. Yeah. The first 20 minutes, I was like, oh, it's going to be like this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. And then they kept adding layers and layers of thought. Yeah. That made the whole thing, by the time you got to the end, feel really well arranged and lined up. For a movie whose plot on the tin was Mad Santa. <laughs> what, Not to be what confused if... with Bad Santa. Mad Santa. What if Die Hard 2 and Home Alone had a baby? With <laughs> with a little bit of John Wick thrown in. Basically, yes, yes. So I appreciated every piece of this and its total silliness. I was in a theater where there was like an eight or nine-year-old girl there that was extraordinarily too young for that fucking movie. But, but her mom knew best, so... Who am I to judge? We went to a Friday night, nine o'clock show, and there was clearly a couple who were there to, like, neck, who uh, pretty quickly realized this was not that kind of movie. (laughs) No, no. Take that to the Fablemans. You have much more privacy. uh, It was all adults. I, I went with Greg and Anna, who's my next door neighbor, and we had so much fun. Yeah. We were hooting and hollering, and and at one point, all of us had to go to the bathroom, and none of us wanted to go because we were having so much fun, so we all held it. <laughs> nice. Nice. It was a fun movie. It really was. It was, and it, it had, had enough, quote-unquote, moral to be sincere, but not so much moral that it felt like it was trying to teach you anything. Yeah. 
But I also like I appreciate that they were very forthcoming about some of the origins of Christmas and how they are perhaps a bastardization of other traditions. Yeah. And I, I did appreciate uh, Santa Claus being very anti-capitalist. <laughs> He's, well, he, saw, he saw his Amazon boxes as almost shit. It was great. Yeah, but I also think that, like, one of the things that I always thought, I get tired when there's a trope that's like, kids these days with their video games and their gift cards. And there's a cynicism that happens this time of year that I really, really hate. Yeah. I just hate it. Like, let kids like what they like. You know what's nice about gift cards? You have an opportunity to go, hey, child, do you want to go shopping together? Would you like to turn this into a bonding experience? And instead, people are just mad that they want gift cards. Like, oh, your, your gift is what you make it. Yeah. I just think people are, they want to be more thoughtful with things they give. Then but. give time, motherfucker. Like, my, some of my favorite gifts have been, here is a gift card, let's set a date to go shopping. Here is a gift card to a restaurant. Take someone out to dinner and tell me how it is. The thought of, oh, I know you like to go to the movies, so I got a movie gift card. Yeah. Take me or take someone else, I don't care, I just care that you use it. It's yeah. not unthoughtful, but... I get, you know, Santa's Santa's the toy guy. The elves make toys. I get it. I will say, though, the idea that you have of, okay, if you want a gift card, but let's include me in it as well. I think a lot of people aren't necessarily that thoughtful. And I think that's the jig. Yeah, that's fair. But when people complain about people wanting that, that to me says a lot more about them than it does about the people who want it. Okay. And in the case of Santa, I get it, because Santa does not have time to spend individually with everybody. <laughs> yes. But, like, I get why they gave him that arc, because then it makes sense. And I also like that they, like, cover the diversity of believing in Santa. Yeah. So, like, these people don't actually, like, necessarily believe in Santa, the mythical entity, until the very end, right? Yeah. But they don't need to. They believe in the man that took care of their daughter during this hostage crisis. And in the eyes of Christmas magic, that is enough. They don't need to believe he's the real Santa yet. Yeah. And you know the funny thing is? The real violence in the movie is when the dad has to tell the daughter that Santa Claus isn't real. (laughs) That shit sucks so bad. When I say the theater legitimately went hushed silent. Yeah. Everyone in the theater went, it's wild. But also, like, again, the attention to detail in this movie is just so good. The fact that when they pull her list entry up, it's sweet to everyone, kind to animals, loves both her parents. <laughs> that was great like, details, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they included loves both her parents. Yeah. When it, it could just said loves her parents, but they're separated. So the idea that she loves them both equally, and that is a thing that gets her perhaps further on the nice list. Yeah. Is very like sweet, and that's not a huge detail, but it's a noticeable one. Yeah. Who was your favorite character? Oh, the little girl, John Leguizamo, close second, but the little Ooh. girl. <laughs> yeah. So shout out to Leah Brady who played Trudy. Yeah. Um, she was excellent. Uh, this I think this is her like second movie ever, maybe her like first like actual theater release, and we even talked about that. You know, the idea of 
you want your first like major film release to be special and for her you know i hope she does hope she takes her career and goes far with it she was really good and leguizamo he was having too much fun he was having so much fun he unhinged his jaw so he could fit as much set in there as possible that shit was so great man oh man I'm saying they're my favorite because it is a given from the premise that David Harbour is going to be excellent. Yeah. And, like, he delivered on the promise of being excellent. In fact, I I argue he might even be almost too good. I'm kind of glad they didn't make him, like, Goku, which is, like, completely invincible. Oh, no. Like, I did not enjoy watching him get shot. Well, yeah. But at the same time, the idea that, like, Santa is a magical guy, but he's not invincible. Yeah. Is kind of an important aspect of all this. And also, I think that this movie exists in a very similar area of, like, Knives Out, Ready or Not, where it's making fun of rich people, (laughs) but in a way that you still care what happens to them in the movie, or at least interested in what happens to them. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there was a moment where I was like, if any of the members of the family, besides the asshole boyfriend who you're set up to hate, if the mom dies, I'll be mad. Yeah. The black mom. Yeah. Yeah. But if the grandma died, I'd be mad, too, because she's such a part of the scenes that she's in, you know? They do a really nice job of making every character have strong moments without necessarily making them likable. And you know that you would feel their absence in the movie. Yeah, shout out to Beverly D'Angelo. And I want to talk about your point when you said if David Harbour may be too good for this. I think if they had, like, a lesser actor, this is a straight-to-Tubi movie that we never see. So he is the reason that is a theater release. And the combination of him and the girl and Leguizamo, uh, they are definitely the holy trinity of of needing to see this movie. Or at least seeing it in the comfort of your own home christmas day which would be a wild christmas day watch yes like i i can't imagine he was not involved in this movie more than he is credited as yeah because even at, at the like comic-con panels and at all of the interviews it's always been like david harbour's violent night like that's always <laughs> been the vibe around it and i don't think that's just because he's really hot right now yeah and like if he did do more than he's credited with doing Bravo, because this is, first of all, by a director with a pretty bad track record before this. Director Tommy Ricola? Yeah, he directed Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. All right. He has a movie called uh, Dead Snow with, I think, is that Hitler with his face chopped off by a chainsaw? Probably. Uh, all right. Okay. All right. <laughs> He's one of those people. Yeah, uh, I can tell. But he got it off on this one, though. So. Yeah, no, he, he turned in a really solid movie. Yeah, definitely. And this is one of those movies where I feel that it is not perhaps the best movie I've ever seen, technically. Oh, yeah. But I really enjoyed it. I have started doing the Mark Robb thing on Letterboxd. Where oh. I will give a movie a rating, but if I really like it, I will hit it with a heart. Oh, did you give it a heart? Hold on. I did. Oh, all right. All right. That's cool. So we both gave it three and a half on Letterboxd. So. 
I don't know what I would change to make it better. This is a thing that I was thinking mm. about. I think I would maybe tighten the script a little and make it a little less stereotypical about what the family is like. Some of the origin story for Santa didn't necessarily need to be that long. Yeah, but- I also think I would maybe actually give some of that backstory time to John Leguizamo. Because yeah. at one point they're like, he's like, I hate Christmas because my grandpa died on Christmas. And then he's like, maybe I killed him. I don't know. And I'm like, yeah. what do you mean you don't know? Did you push him down the <laughs> stairs or didn't you? Yeah, like, that part is a little silly. Also, apparently the idea is that he like spooked him and he fell. Yeah. I had to like look up the line on IMDb quotes to make it's sure there. I caught that. <laughs> That's funny. Like, I had to go through, like, edit or Reddit r slash movies. I should not have had to look that hard to find that information. I think if the sister, the D-list actor boyfriend, and the, the son, I think if they were maybe better written or, like, better actors, mm-hmm. I think maybe you get a little more... Uh, well, you get comedy from them, but maybe you get better comedy, a little bit more funniness to it, I guess. Other than like Wazamo, none of the bad guys really matter. The sociopath the is okay. I liked the butler. Was that the sociopath? Or no, the... that was the the Norwegian, the... tall Norwegian guy. Okay. Gingerbread, he was cool. I like the idea of the guy who knows all the family secrets can be bought. Yeah. And a lot of his delivery... If you look very closely in the back of some scenes, he's, like, bobbing his head in cadence of how the people talk, like, making fun of them. Yeah. And I think that's very funny. So I think it's not rough around the edges to the point where something is, like, an overall negative, but maybe just tweaking small pieces of it can get it's, like, a four-star movie. Yeah, but also, like, I don't want this to be a five-star movie. I simply do not. I mean, the only five-star movie like this is Die Hard. Bitch, I'm telling you the truth! I think it's better that it's a little campy and schlocky and weird. To me, I'm going to go back and, like, watch the movie again for the schlockiness, not for the polish. Yeah. Like, I think one of the things that they did that worked so well is that they gave the main character, the non-Santa main character, a really strong arc of... I want my parents to get back together. I just saw Home Alone. I'm going to, (laughs) I can help. Let me help. Yeah. While still being a little kid with a big heart who believes in something. And I thought they balanced that really well. Because that's a lot to balance. Yeah, they did a good job. They did a good job. And and the performance given also does a great job. And that's especially remarkable for a child actor who's been in three projects before this. I'm actually surprised. So she didn't necessarily directly kill someone, but they definitely got it to the line. And I was I was surprised by that. They did, in my mind, a perfect escalation of Home Alone. Because it is, I'm not saying in terms of quality, but I am saying in terms of violence. This was one step beyond Home Alone. Yeah. I mean, because, like, you, you literally saw people's face burned. <laughs> like, it's just I, I just mean in the scenes that are with the traps. I'm not talking about the actual other stuff. Yeah. It is still very much cartoon violence. It's well, just cartoon blood. violence with 
Yes, but it's also melted goo blood. I feel like those scenes did a really nice job of making it cartoonish and a little gross, but still mostly cartoonish. Yeah, I think it shadows the line, but I hear what you're saying. It wouldn't surprise me if I found out that this girl thought she was in like a Home Alone type movie and never knew she was in like a hard R, incredibly violent film. Other than the end, when she's near Santa as he's perishing, she's not around actual blood. Yep. So. I was thinking about the little kid from The Shining who like didn't know he was in a horror movie. Yeah. I feel like that could have existed here very strongly. Yeah. And and I think that's a really smart route for it because having little kids like directly around unspeakable violence and participating in that or even just watching it is icky. Oh yeah. And like that that puts kids in a real like dicey situation too. So I respect that they found ways around that. Yeah, and now I'm thinking a little more about the idea of the next progression of of what Home Alone, like a step below Home Alone is basically TV violence. But Home Alone is basically TV violence with a little bit more. I'm fairly certain there's no blood in Home Alone at all. But there the, isn't, even though there would be if that happened. Yeah, and so the next step of that is people actually bleeding from different parts of their body. And then the next step after that is, you know, what Santa Claus is doing. So I know that he has, ex- David Harbour has expressed interest in a Pedro Pascal Easter Bunny and Oscar Isaac Tooth Fairy follow up projects. <laughs> that would be funny. And if they are able to follow it up with the same amount of thoughtfulness, that they have done with this. Is this. I'd go see those. So remember when Tom Cruise tried to resurrect the mummy and, you know, is it, do they miss, is this what we. Do we have time to start talking about the dark universe? Because I could go for a solid hour on the dark universe. They're uh, going to make the light universe. This is the light universe they're making now, Kat. David Harbour has found something that we actually want. I feel like they're going to be like, it's the holidays like h-a-u-l or something stupid like that that's gonna make us all hate it but yeah i just want whoever plays the tooth fairy in a in a kilt please in a kilt yeah because the tooth fairy is always perceived as a woman and i like the idea that it's actually just a dude in a skirt but people are so close-minded that he still has (laughs) to explain that he is in fact not a woman and that men can be fairies too and like piss off what's the big deal i still get the job done hilarious i feel like that would be a great energy to bring to that character and that could be a really good version of kids only want gift cards and money his could be like listen all right i'm a fucking fairy i don't understand what is hard about this for you (laughs) yeah i i'm not gonna lie i I would check that out i'll check that out (laughs) Hey, what's up, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather here. Special shout out to B Hyphen and Handsome Bane for the WrestleCast Power Hour, and it's available everywhere podcasts or streams. So, everybody, check them out. You know, The Godfather will, and it's time once again for everybody at the Hyphen Podcast Group to come aboard the Ho Train. 
all your later sweaty marks. Cat, the next movie we're going to talk about is, uh, at least this season, the last 80s movie that we have on, on Deckington. Now, this is something that you pick. I know this is not your favorite Gremlins movie. No. But this is the it's, original It's up Gremlins. there, but it is not my favorite. It's number um, two. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> So I think I, I've given my argument before that Gremlins 2 is kind of the perfect sequel because it understands what makes the original special and has figured out how to build on that mm-hmm. in a really unique way that is completely off the rails, but completely off the rails in a way that feels compatible with the movie that came before. And I stand by that. And I also think that that is one of those movies. Mars Attacks is another one that directly benefited by how fucked up the Donald Trump administration was. (laughs) Yeah. And so trying to live through that time with those films, it's weird how much they got right. Yeah. And in some ways, I think that those laughs are more genuine in light of that. Now, original Gremlins, I think is, is really good. I think it's a, I think it's like a four and a half star movie for me. Gremlins two is a five, but you gave Gremlins one only three and a half on Letterbox. Oh, all right. Well, there's that. Oh, oh no, so, so what's the truth? First of all, that was the first time I ever saw it, and I saw it in a very crowded theater with people talking over it the whole time. So I oh, will be okay. honest, that okay. probably affected my viewing experience somewhat. I did rewatch it over the weekend. I'd probably give it a four, four and a half now. I do think it has a little bit of a pacing problem. I'm 37 minutes into it right now, and uh, they just took Gizmo's blood now. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a while ago. I just feel like this is a movie that you could cut 15, 20 minutes out of. Definitely. I agree. I agree. And that would be fine. Now, that said, I love Gizmo. Anything with Gizmo in it, automatic thumbs up. (laughs) <laughs> is he the best part of this movie i love my son yeah uh, oh no the best part the best part of any gremlins movie is gizmo discovering a human thing and then getting to do it so in this case i would argue it is him in the car in the second one i would argue because he's he he learns how to do racing and then he gets good at it and then in in the second one it's him seeing the rambo movies and becoming gizbo if they got Gizmo even a little bit wrong, I think this movie would be unwatchable. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. I would definitely like, say not wrong. Like, this movie is on such a knife's edge. Because if it was even five minutes longer, I think it would be considered unwatchable. <laughs> if Gizmo was a little bit wrong, it would be unwatchable. If the look of the gremlins was even a little bit wrong, it would be unwatchable. If the amount of gore they used was a little bit wrong, it would be unwatchable. There are so many things that just threaded the needle for it to be perfect. And even perfect is 20 minutes heavy on movie, but palatable. Threading all those needles makes it pretty special. I'm seeing all these settings that evoke the perfect Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. Like the town is beautiful. The bar at Christmas is exactly that correct vibe. The slightly racist plow driver from your town who you all put up with because he's the only guy with a plow. Isn't the town Back to the Future? Twilight Zone set? Uh, probably. So I feel like it is. Universal only has one town, and it's the Back to the Future town. Yeah. 
but they do a good job of decorating the people with the coats carrying the stuff. Like, it feels right, you know? And also, it ends in my favorite Christmas location, a department store toy section at Christmas. That should be everyone's favorite place in Christmas. I literally went to a toy store this past weekend just to hang out at a toy store around Christmas time. Oh. 15 out of 10. Great, great decision. I don't know if, if uh, a man hanging out in toy stores is a good look, but I live by Christmas through you. You got to bring your emotional support female person. So I got to fly you then out it's your cat? not creepy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But can I tell you a secret cat? Mm-hmm. Not Gizmo, but the actual Gremlins. Mm-hmm. Uh, they traumatized me as a kid. I was, really? I was scared of shit of Gremlins growing up. I mean, I feel like they fall in a similar box if you look at them as a kid as, like, Chucky. Yeah. Of, like, oh, shit, my friend could turn into that. Yeah. And then alternately, oh, God, they're about my size. Yeah. And they're, like, red cocaine eyes, one of the guys got. Yeah, but also, gremlins move in packs. At least Chucky's usually on his own. (laughs) Hilarious. But... Nah, man, I used to be scared of shit of gremlins, so... Can, can we talk about, in my mind, the scariest and weirdest part of this movie, though? What's that? The story about why the girl hates Christmas. <laughs> now I have another reason to hate Christmas. Okay, what are you talking about? The worst thing that ever happened to me was on Christmas. Oh, God. It was so horrible. It was Christmas Eve. I was nine years old. Me and Mom were were decorating the tree, waiting for Dad to come home from work. A couple hours went by. Dad wasn't home. Mom called the office. No answer. Christmas Day came and went, and still nothing. The police began a search. Four or five days went by. Neither one of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing, so I went to try to light up the fire. And that's when I noticed the smell. The firemen came and broke through the chimney top. And me and Mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird. And instead, they pulled out my father. He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. He'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve, his arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He slipped and broke his neck, died instantly. And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. This was almost cut by the studio, and it probably should have been. I saw this in a theater full of people who, like, knew the movie, knew the whole kind of vibe, right? Yeah. People were shouting along with the with the gremlins when they were watching Snow White. They were hooting and hollering. Like, there was a whole rapport, right? Yeah. Everyone started making farting noises during this speech. <laughs> <laughs> Last December. Yeah. 
That's fucking funny. Holy shit. Where did the fart noise come in? I'm very curious. Also, literally, as soon as she, she was like, the worst thing that ever. <laughs> like, That's the entire so time she was delivering that speech, people were just, like, making farting noises, and it was very funny to me. Holy shit. That's so. I gotta start seeing these movies in your theaters, cat. You be going, yo, your theaters be lit as fuck, man. Shout out to Oh, Boston. yeah, they're, they're showing Big Trouble in Little China the Tuesday after Christmas, and I'm about to be uh, so uh, fucking lit watching Kurt Russell fuck shit up. That sounds fun as hell, man. Have fucking fun. Have fucking fun, man. I will. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was not expecting that long ass eye. <laughs> Coming off surprise like shit. <laughs> I was like, what <laughs> the hell? Oh man. Uh, I, I also just like, what are they doing? They're watching Snow White and they love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So I have not seen Gremlins two since the fucking nineties, probably. I think I may have saw it first, and that's what led me to not like Gremlins, but. I will say the Gremlins and Gremlins 2 are freaky in a different way. How so? Like, if you got a specific phobia, it's probably represented in Gremlins 2. Oh, shit. <laughs> like, there's a spider gremlin. There's a bat gremlin. There's an electricity gremlin that can move through phone lines. There's a lady gremlin. There's a gremlin made of salad. There are gremlins in your ice cream toppings bar. Jesus. So, like, if you have a specific thing of, like, I have a deep fear of my food being contaminated, surprise, bitch, there's a gremlin for that now. <laughs> Damn. So I do think, like, as a kid, even though they're much more interesting and cartoonish designs, they might mess with you more. Yeah. Because they're, like, hitting on whatever your specific thing is. But I think it's great. I was going to ask you, is Gizmo your favorite I don't even necessarily know what to call it. I, creature. I, I, I feel like I, yeah, I, was, I feel like kind of a dickhead saying creature, but critter is a much better word. Is he? Is he your favorite critter design? In my mind, critter automatically connotes like a little guy. Yeah. So I would say he's my favorite little guy design. Okay. I think my favorite big monster slash creature design is probably a tie between Creature from the Black Lagoon and Bride of Frankenstein. Okay. Creature's interesting for a bunch of reasons, but Bride is also interesting for a lot of reasons, especially because the actress's features, Elsa Lancaster's, are so versatile in how she is cast in the beginning of the movie versus the end. Mm-hmm. And I think that the way that they handle that is really interesting. I think for me, for even just moving beyond like the childhood trauma aspect, mm-hmm. I can definitely see it's it's obviously a, a Amblin production and it definitely feels that way, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think it may have come off as being a bad thing, but I think looking at kind of the 80s and the idea of how do we kind of elevate and how we push forward like the, the critters and creatures and how do we make things a little more tactile and make it still fun and engaging and i think it does that really well and i know gremlins 2 is technically 1990 i guess but i mean this is this is the seeds for it so 
I, I I can appreciate what it did, even though it you know scarred me. I do think there's way. also something to be said for an Amblin production being kind of scary. Like it's very subversive oh, yeah. of an Amblin production in a lot of ways. Because I feel yeah. like even in ET, right, you are scared for ET. Yeah, he's not. But like you're not. You. You're also not scared. Like they're gonna kill one of the kids. Yeah. Whereas in this one, like people die. He had the blammer. He was sh- one of the Mohawk dudes shooting motherfucker. That shit was crazy. Yeah, but also like they drove a plow into someone's house. We we later Most found out died. they didn't. They did not. But oh, they didn't. Oh shit. No, they're both in Gremlins too. But they're like deeply, deeply traumatized. But the person they launch out with the stairmaster is definitely dead. Like they they kill people. Yeah. And so the idea that like your cute little Amblin town could become really violent if you're not careful. That must have been kind of genuinely freaky when this movie came out. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's like, still part in, of In a way 80s. that we kind of take for granted now, partially because of the Child's Play movies and stuff like that. Yeah, the whole 80s things of, let's just kind of push and test these boundaries to see these little this little cute creature can pop out these gross creatures and they can hit people with a blammer. So, so... This is this is definitely of the eighties for sure. For sure. So man, I, I think this may be the, the last episode that we record of the year, Kat. Yeah. I may do a diary episode on I might the, too. On the well. Um, but in case this is you wanna leave the folks with some with some words to close out the year, even though it was December twelfth. I just want to take a take a minute to thank everybody who has listened to an episode, been on an episode, engaged with an episode over the past year. We've definitely had some growth on the podcast, according to our Spotify wrapped. Uh, <laughs> and I'm really grateful that people have continued to check us out. And hopefully it's encouraged them to watch some movies and learn some things or or just to watch a movie to hate disagree with us. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that fuck it why not but I guess just in in the new year I will encourage people to watch more movies read more about movies uh, yes. if, if you like movies find a new way to engage with them yes definitely and don't forget to support your local critics because there are a lot of people out there who since the newspaper industry is dying out and magazines, too, have had to move on to their own sub-stacks or have chosen to. And those people deserve your time and attention just as much as your New York Times critics. In some cases, even more so. So, yes, mm-hmm. definitely. And this is just a nitpick of mine. Weird is not eligible for the Golden Globes <laughs> it's or not? the Oscars. So stop complaining about it. It does not meet the eligibility requirements. The Golden Globes do not screw weird over. It's just not eligible. Oh, it didn't have any. It didn't have a theatrical release. It didn't have a. So it was not aired on ca- uh, television during prime time. Uh, yeah. Nor did it have a theatrical release of seven days. Yeah. As a side effect of this, it is not eligible for TV movie or for movie. Yeah. Which is a shame. But I'm already tired of hearing people complain about it. And the Golden Globes announced their nominations this morning. I want to see White Noise in theaters this Wednesday, so... I, as good. soon as... I have legitimately two-plus things every night this week. I feel like I'm going insane. <laughs> My plan on Sunday 
is to drag myself in my sweatpants to go see Banshees of Insurance because right. I want to see it. It's it's really good. Oh my god! I oh uh, yeah, the the variety interview with Colin Farrell and Jamie Lee Curtis. It is so my two fucking favorite good. people. It is so good, man. Uh, it's really nice to know that my two favorite people are friends in real life. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great conversation, man. I really, really like Banshees. That movie was so Also, just good. like Colin Farrell, if you, if you get bored and you want to slum it or something, call me. <laughs> Isn't he married to some shit? <laughs> Don't I don't. I don't know what their weird marital boundaries are. I mean, he lives in L.A., so they they can be up for whatever. Yeah. Come. Honestly, anyone who lives anywhere is usually down for whatever. It just depends on the fucking couple. Oh, touche, touche. Colin Farrell, come on the show. Colin Farrell, come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I will forgive you for being a stereotypical fake Italian. <laughs> you have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to make it up to an Italian-American. So, uh... Hilarious. I suggest you use it. What was he a fake Italian? Batman! Oh, well, yeah, that's a shame. <laughs> Come on! Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm more upset about the nose than anything. You can't be stereotypically Italian and have that nose. Oh, man. That shit was... <laughs> what are you doing over here? Oh! Shit. The fact he also <laughs> held his hands like this. You know. He, he did the hands. Everyone knows the hands. He did the hands. <laughs> oh, man. He has to come on the show to make up for that shit now. Oh, man. <sighs> what about you? You got anything for our lovely listeners? Go to a movie theater. Fuck. <laughs> Please. Let's go to a fucking movie theater. A couple of times. Like, I absolutely adore the theater experience. Whether it's solo, whether it's seeing with other folks, whether it's seeing with a group of folks. Movie theater experience to me is so invaluable. Watching comedies in movie theaters, watching comedies in group settings, it sparks just an atmosphere of fun watching a drama in a group setting is fun the the movie theater experience to me is really unmatched in a lot of ways and if you got 14 bucks just see a movie i've seen i've seen a lot of movies this this year in theaters you know getting back you know from theaters being shuttered being closed reopening losing my favorite movie theater in san antonio I, I still find a way to kind of support those those theaters and those projects and those movies. And it's not even just even like big commercial chains. Like you can go to your local independent movie theater. I think last Christmas you suggested buying gift cards for uh, from your local movie theater. Like, mm-hmm. you know, anything you can do, man. Like I, I think that it should be done. And, and like Violent Night, who knows how long it's still playing in theaters. But if it's like the night of Christmas, you, you took the little the little Christmas walk, uh, and you you want to do something with your cousins? Just fuck it, just go to see Violent Night, man, and laugh your ass off. So yeah, 
I think one thing that my my hope for the next year for like film Twitter especially, but films in general is it is okay for a movie to be fun. Yes, and and, it is. and for people to have fun at the theaters. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong, I love me a Criterion release as much as the next gal, but the theater that I want to go see Big Trouble in Little China at is doing a theater show, a double feature of Ratatouille and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's great. And, like, I'm not going to go see it because it starts at 3.30 on a weekday, so I do have to, like, do my job. Go have fun. God damn it. That's what this is for. This is supposed to be fun. Yeah. And, so. and you know, I know I know I hit this. People have made fun of me for that being my complaint about the Batman movies, which I think is a good movie. But also, like, I feel it's that so way the way I feel about Star Wars. This is a movie about space wizards for children. Chill fuck out. <laughs> yes, but, absolutely agree. Remember when Spider-Man in Into the Spider-Verse came out and there was like this moment where everyone was just so glowing about cinema? Yeah. I don't feel like we've had a moment like that since then. Ooh, ooh doggy, we have not. We have not. Where it seems like everyone has had some take of, oh, well, it's woke. Oh, well, it's this. Oh, well, it's whatever. Oh, there's a woman. Oh. Like, and, and as a side effect of this, we haven't had any, like, genuine joy in movies in a while. Yeah. I am ready for joy! Bring me some fucking joy! Exactly. I'm ready for it, too. I'm ready for it, too. Man, that was a good-ass point. Shit's hard enough. Yeah, man, for real. I don't need to be told I, I'm a fucking boot-licking heel whatever the fuck. Because I was like, ah, Violent Night was fun and stupid. Exactly what I needed. And they were like, that's not real cinema. <laughs> that's a shitty reaction to that. All right, Jimothy. Please tell me what you watched lately. <laughs> yeah, what did you go out to actually financially support? You know, so. Or even if you did stream it from home. What was the last movie that made you laugh because it was funny? Not because it was like propping up your own prejudice bullshit <laughs> yeah exactly oh man that was an excellent point Kat. i fully agree i fully agree thank you man. thank you if you've enjoyed the episode please subscribe rate us five stars leave a review and tell a friend to tell a friend follow cat at cat underscore chinetti on twitter twitch instagram and letterboxd follow marcus at show in mad love s-h-o W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V On Twitter and Letterboxd Follow the show on Twitter at Cat and Mark This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee Thanks for listening We should do this again sometime This is a hyphen podcast production Are you not entertained?